Welcome to The Honest Report, a weekly podcast analyzing media coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict, anti-Semitism, and radical Islamic terrorism. The condemnation of Kanye West is reaching fever pitch, intensifying after he was banned from Twitter for this anti-Semitic tweet. DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. Now one of the biggest names in sports facing backlash for spreading anti-Semitism, NBA star Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets shared a link last week on social media to a 2018 film that's been described as anti-Semitic. Here's your host, Rob Walker. Anti-Semitism has often been called the world's oldest hatred, but that doesn't mean there aren't modern tools available for combating it. In Canada, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, that's IRA, working definition of anti-Semitism, has been accepted by the federal government, as well as a number of provinces and municipalities across the country. But is simply adopting the definition sufficient for combating anti-Semitism, or can more be done? In this week's episode, we sit down with Melissa Lansman. Melissa is the federal member of parliament for the riding of Thornhill, and she joins us to discuss the role that elected officials can play in helping to utilize IRA and other tools in the fight against anti-Semitism. Welcome to the Honest Report podcast. Melissa Lansman, welcome to the Honest Report podcast. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. You are, of course, a, uh, a freshman uh, member of parliament, uh, but really have uh, are representing uh, you know, really a, a very prominent Jewish community, uh, not just in, in Ontario, the GTA, but really the whole country uh, in Thornhill. Um, and you've become very uh, outspoken in, uh, in in really in issues related to, of course, uh, anti-Semitism and so on, uh, which are very important, of course, for your community. Uh, in the summer of 2021, or in the fall or spring, rather, when there was the war between Israel and Hamas in Gaza, there were a lot of ugly incidents uh, in uh, not just in Thornhill, but elsewhere, uh, people using conflict in the Middle East and sort of bringing that violence here. How would you describe sort of the anti-Semitism that's taking place in, as far as the biggest threat to your constituents? Is it sort of flag-waving and assaults that uh, that you see in the streets um, that we occasionally see in times of conflict, or is it more insidious behind the scenes, and what are the incidents that we're seeing that maybe your average person doesn't see with their own eyes? Well, look, I, I think the conflict certainly gives uh, rise to when, when the general population pays attention to it, uh, but I think you nailed it. There is an insidious rise in 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 anti-Semitic incidents. You can see that from uh, from reports, from the growth rates, uh, you know, and and it it is it is anti-Semitism by different names. Uh, we've seen in the past the BDS movement campaign, um, which is I wouldn't say necessarily simmered down. I think it uh, it's it 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 didn't do what it was supposed to do uh, from from an advocate, and it's taken on almost a different uh, type of tactic calling uh, Israel an apartheid state using language like uh, uh, settler colonialism, anti-Palestinian racism, far wh- uh, white nationalism. Uh, and those are from, you know, those are from the, the proponents of BDS and sometimes uh, those in our own, uh, our own community who, uh, who use this historical revisionism uh, that can frankly easily be de- debunked by cracking open uh, uh, a history book. I think, in general, none of these movements are pro-Palestinian movements. They are, at the core, anti-Israel, 
and anti-Jewish, and they threaten the livelihood of tens of thousands of, uh, of Palestinians on the other side of the world, and they threaten the very security of those who live, work, uh, and do business in our own community right here in Thornhill and right across Jewish communities uh, uh, in Canada. So before the podcast, we were chatting a little bit about uh, how the BDS movement has sort of morphed or changed its, uh, uh, you know, its face a little bit in terms of going from a, a very narrow focus to really subsuming itself under the broader anti-Israel agenda. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, look, it's it's gross, um, and and we've seen that it doesn't work. Um, luckily for you know for for some of those businesses, oftentimes. Uh, these campaigns are ineffective, uh, and and they've only mobilized uh, the the pro uh, the, the the Jewish community and the pro Israel community to actually v- buy the very tar- buy the very products that are targeted by boycotts. I think if you were to look at this academically, the only way uh, that uh, that you can further uh, any kind of uh, uh, any kind of cooperation on the other side of the world between Israel and the Palestinians is, of course, to support uh, academic uh, cooperation, economic cooperation, uh, and not boycotts. That's what will actually help foster peace. But make no mistake, there are people on in this country who use uh, a, a boycott movement uh, to uh, to further their anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic agenda and it is a it, it is a, an anti-semitic agenda by a different name under the guise of Israel and it's unfortunately uh, it's unfortunately co-opted some members of our own Jewish community to take on some of that language and it is extremely dangerous uh, not only to diaspora communities living outside of Israel but the safety of security of uh, of Jews right across the country anti-semitism today, is a, a, a melange, a mixture of the age-old classical, old-style anti-Semitism, which has been exi- in existence for, for thousands of years, uh, with all the associated tropes and stereotypes and blood libels, false accusations, evil cartoons. All this uh, always has existed and, and still exists. And we can add to this a convenient and pseudo-legitimate expression of anti-Israelism uh, as a very shallow and artificial cover for good old anti-Semitism. So there are some some voices who say that the dangers of this anti-Israel boycott movement are really less about Israel itself and more about this threat of uh, speaking out and trying to stifle the identity uh, of, uh, of individuals uh, in the diaspora, right, uh, trying to intimidate them. What's your view on that? Look, there are, there are leaders in, this, uh, in, the, in the BDS movement that openly declare that their goal is not safety and peace uh, and a two-state solution or whatever you want to say about the other side of the world. Their goal uh, is, to, uh, is, is, is anti-Jewish, and anti-Semitic rhetoric to get more people to hate Jews. I've never been more convinced of that. It is clear and and obvious, and it is simply done under the guise of anti-Israel rhetoric um, from a a conflict perspective, when in fact it is uh, is anti-Jewish, it is not peaceful, uh, and, uh, and it has no place 
in this country and in in and are, is not in line with our nation's values. There are uh, there have been jurisdictions across North America and elsewhere who have sought to legislate uh, a country or a jurisdiction's opposition to uh, the BDS boycott, divestment, sanctions movement. For example, saying that uh, any party who supports the BDS uh, cause uh, will not be eligible, for example, for uh, government. Um, programs and so on. Do you believe that there's a role for legislation in the fight against this? There is a role for uh, for legislation, and it should be some kind of attestation to understand that the program or uh, where tax dollars are going are not funding any kind of discrimination, prejudice, hatred, anything that wouldn't be in line with uh, with our values. But we have a much bigger problem. We've seen incidents of anti-Semitism within our own government. We've seen funding of hateful extremists. We've seen a public service who is concerned that uh, uh, that uh, you know the diversity and inclusion uh, uh, agenda within within the ranks of our public service doesn't include anti-Semitism. We have politicians who can't call, uh, you know, who can't call it out when they see it right in front of them. There is an incident, or there was an incident, I should say, during last year's hostilities uh, between Israel and the terrorists uh, that were firing rockets at Israel, uh, uh, where there was, you know, under the guise of of, of being anti-Israel, there was uh, a group of people that showed up before Shabbat in a plaza. That was Jewish-owned businesses ahead of, uh, you know, ahead of a of a, of a weekly holiday, um, a, a weekly time of rest, uh, to say that you know they they should they should boycott these products. That is not anti-Israel. It is anti-Jewish. And the fact that our own members of parliament and our own government can't call it out is a problem in itself. So we're a long way from agreeing to a piece of legislation, I think, in this country, unless it was put in by uh, by a new government that's not there yet. So uh, beyond the role of education in combating this, of course, uh, what would a, uh, a, you know, a government in your mind, uh, what kind of policies could be implemented to, uh, to, to combat this? Look, I, I think first and foremost, um, you know, the 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 working definition of of IRA actually has to be more than uh, than just something we say we do. Um, we actually have to do it uh, and and in and in have it have it sort of permeate throughout government, throughout every ministry, throughout every department, uh, throughout our education system, throughout uh, unions. Uh, this is an uncontroversial definition of calling out anti-Semitism when you see it. That's first, I think, first and foremost. Uh, and we're, again, a long way uh, from there. But it has to be unequivocal support for a friend, for an ally, uh, for the only democracy in the Middle East and for the uh, and, and for a place where there is nefarious, uh, you know, n- n- nefarious countries uh, destabilizing uh, the, the Middle East. We have a clear friend and ally there. And we must treat that friend and ally as one would any friend uh, and ally. And there is, of course, a number of policies of 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 what the conservatives see as uh, uh, as 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 the right thing to do on the Middle East. And then there is what we're seeing uh, now with uh, with a government that, frankly, uh, I think is off off on the wrong track on this relationship. So. There's been, of course, uh, there's also been issues in uh, in government, uh, as you as you talked about the uh, the former uh, Green uh, leader, Anime Paul, of course, uh, Jewish, uh, faced uh, 
significant amounts of anti-Semitism. And there were, of course, issues of uh, Latham Roof um, tax dollars went to funding a uh, uh, quite an anti-Israel and some might say anti-Semitic uh, uh, organization as well. What are the kinds of measures that can be taken to ensure that anti-Semitism really in the halls of power can be relegated to uh, to the fringes? Well, there has to be consequences to to those actions. I think we saw clearly uh, in in the Laith Maruf example, this is funding, this is over $600,000 of, of, of tax dollars, of public dollars who had gone to a known vitriolic anti-Semite. There's really no other way of, of saying it. And a racist, not only uh, anti-Semitic racism, uh, but anti-Black racism, uh, anti-French views. Uh, you know, this guy just is the whole gamut of, of gross. And, uh, you know, the, the, the very idea that there, you know, that nobody knew about it, that nobody had a machine called Google or any other search engine to simply type in his name and look at those tweets that have been uh, public for, for some time. Uh, the fact that there's nobody got fired for this. Nobody got it. You know, nobody, nobody suffered any consequences for this. We don't have any recourse in the system to say that this is not okay and we won't do it again because I know this will happen again. I'm I'm almost certain of it, it, it that has happened again because there was no consequences for when it happened the first time. So one of the things that we look for in the system is actual consequences to to actions uh, uh, or or uh, you know any kind of way to uh, to 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 get somebody in trouble uh, to have real consequences for uh, for for their action without those this is all just talk um, so I think looking at any any legislation in the in the in the future uh, is to actually have um, you know is actually to have consequences when these things occur which has not happened will not happen and everybody just shrugs their shoulders and says that's okay that's why I'm there and I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a hard voice to ignore and we will remind everybody of this at every given opportunity that the government gave $600,000 to an open anti-Semite and nobody got fired and nobody got in trouble. Now, um, a big part of, of course, what the, the anti-Israel movement has done, is, as you're well aware, is positioning itself uh, and not just as, you know, as anti-Semites, but to more position themselves as, well, this is a legitimate disagreement. It's a political, you know, for example, BDS, it's not anti-Semitic, uh, it might be anti-Israel, but that's our charter right, uh, you know, to have a particular view. So what's the role? You, you touched on IRA, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. Um, how does that working definition of anti-Semitism, or how can it be marshaled to help differentiate between saying, you know, I think Israel uh, does terrible things. Okay, that's your right as, uh, you know, under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms to distinguishing that from uh, from anti-Semitism, because I think right now there's a lot of ambiguity, and that's, of course, an important role of the IRA definition. How can legislation or a government utilize the IRA definition? Well, one, it's the acceptance of the IRA definition, which is, you know, not, not uh, it, it hasn't been a thing across uh, uh, across all uh, all parts of civil society. It hasn't been a thing in unions and it hasn't been a thing in school boards. Uh, even though they've said that we're going to adopt the definition, in practice, it's not actually there. These kinds of campaigns, BDS included, they incite hatred, they ferment division, and they lead to an increase in anti-Semitic activities against 
Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish people, Jewish students, uh, uh, Israeli students, uh, Israeli, uh, uh, the Israeli population, and it has a direct impact on our well-being. And until that is understood, and until that, until there is an admission, and until it is a completely uncontroversial definition, we're not getting anywhere. Um, the next step, of course, is what I talked about before, which is the economic and academic cooperation, and not necessarily the boycotts that will lead to a lasting peace. Without, without the uh, the understanding that the IRA definition is uh, uh, is something that needs to. Uh, be put in place, we're nowhere further than we were yesterday. Uh, and that's, you know, that's something that I advocate every single day, not only on behalf of a constituency, but on behalf of being on the right side of history and knowing the difference between right and wrong. We've got to, we've got to understand that in a government, uh, anti-Semitism has to be factored in to any kind of anti-discrimination uh, program that exists. Jews have to count. And right now in government, Jews don't count. Well, okay. Well, that that's a uh, quite a um, a uh, distinction, I, I think, between um, what's happening now and what ought to happen. Uh, can you draw us a bit of a picture when you talk about anti-discrimination legislation? Uh, you know, of course, we talked about IRA, but where else can anti-Semitism be meaningfully addressed? Well, we've had, um, you know, we've had uh, a conservative member of parliament. His name is uh, Kevin Waugh from Saskatchewan. Bring forward. Uh, a uh, a piece of legislation that uh, that makes uh, that puts Holocaust denial in the criminal code, and now I'm 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 hearing the audible gasps from the free speech crowd um, that are that are probably listening to this. But this was actually put into a, a budget document. The government uh, took that took that idea, put it in their budget, and it is now in the criminal code. Those are ways in which uh, you know those are ways in which we can use legislation to. Uh, uh, to make sure that uh, that anti-Semitism isn't running rampant. But the problem exists in government. The call is coming from inside of the House. And if we don't look at this on a, on a wider scale within our public service, again, within unions, within uh, uh, you know, police operations, within our school boards, within our universities, then we're doing a disservice uh, to any piece of legislation that we would put forward on uh, on criminalizing any aspect of this, or at least uh, putting powerful deterrence uh, on uh, with regard to consequences of when these things actually occur. The problem is 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 very much uh, existent in uh, in those who uh, who who. Who, who are running government, those, uh, you know, the departments, the ministries uh, themselves. So until that problem is addressed in those, uh, uh, in those ministries, uh, there is not a whole lot we can do other than call it out when we see it and make sure that there are consequences so it doesn't happen again. Melissa Lansman, thank you so much for your time today. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our mailing list, our podcast channel, and follow us on social media for the most up-to-date news. If you like what you've heard, please consider a donation to support our continued efforts at www.honestreporting.ca slash donate. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.